to today's audio podcast from the Church at Bushland. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of the Church at Bushland and would like to enjoy more resources and weekly updates, we hope you will visit our website at thechurchatbushland.com or download our app by searching for The Church at Bushland in your app store. We'd love to know how this ministry is touching your life. Please take a moment to let us know how this ministry is impacting your life by emailing us at info at thechurchatbushland.com. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so in our app or by visiting thechurchatbushland.com slash give. Well, welcome to another episode of Digging for the Truth. You're going to have to bear with me. <clears throat> I've had a cold, so I might be taking a drink here and there. Uh, but I tell you what, I am excited to get into tonight because I have done, I don't know how many, this is our 24th episode, that's how many. It's our 24th episode, and I have generally never had any technology issues or technical issues until tonight. Just getting, I had monitors going out, I had video cards trying to die, I had, you know, software that wouldn't, you know, that, that I lost entire profiles, and it, it was just nuts. And so I, I think that this is a timely topic, and I think the enemy's coming against it, and I've been praying over this, and I think it will bless you. Um, before we get too much further into this, I want to ask a couple of favors. First of all, if you like any of these podcasts, if they've blessed you at all, I would ask you to please like and subscribe and to share this with somebody. Just share it with one person. We're trying to get this out. I don't know that we'll ever fit the YouTube algorithm. Uh, we're not really their thing, but we can share it organically. Um, if you're listening to us on Spotify or on Apple Podcasts, wherever you're listening, Please share uh, if this has been, been blessing you and uh, tell somebody else about it. Uh, with that being said, tonight we're going to do something slightly different. Now, everything that you see in a podcast, which I'm actually going to do a podcast over the podcast before too long because, you know, a lot of research goes into this. Um, so if this particular podcast, I have been researching for quite a while. Um, there's a lot of material I'm going to share. And I'm going to be talking about who I believe is one of the most evil people that has lived in the last 200 years. Um, and very responsible for a lot of the things going on uh, in society today. And so I want to talk about him. But I'm going to do this kind of, you know, you'll see everything that you do, that we do here, is all done live. That includes the music and the videos I'm going to show and all that kind of stuff. Unless I really screw up, which it can happen. Um, I don't go and do post-edits. So hopefully when a podcast is done, we get to walk out the door and we're finished. We'll see how that goes tonight. Got a lot of images. I've got some old videos um, and documentaries that I want to show. And, uh, and then we're going to talk about <clears throat> just the things going on in the world. And more importantly, as we get towards this, now we're going to be heavy up front, talking about some of the things that are more difficult to discuss, like communism, socialism. Um, but then we're going to talk about what we do right now, the things that we can do to affect positive change um, in our world. So, with that being said, I'm going to take a drink, then we're going to get started. All right, well, so, <clears throat> like I said, we're going to do this live, but I wanted to bring in some historical context and talk about one in particular. With that being said, let's start right here. In the beginning, the road exists in the mind of a 19th century philosopher and scholar, Karl Marx who maintains that only through a system he calls communism can the worker and farmer avoid starvation and exploitation. We declare openly, Marx writes, that our ends can only be attained by the forcible overthrow of all existing social conditions. So this is Karl Marx that we were just hearing about. He was born in 19 or sorry, in 1818 in Trier, Germany, and he died in 1883 in London. In my opinion, this man is the most evil, one of the most evil people to live in the last 200 years. And yes, I know immediately you're thinking, well, what about Hitler and Mussolini? We're going to talk about them. But first, I want to talk about Karl Marx. Do you guys remember 2020? I mean, how could you not? It was such a great year. You know, it's the year of the George Floyd uh, 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 riots. Oh, and who can forget... COVID-19 and the viruses. I was going to show a video about that, but hey, I think we all have seen enough on COVID. It was a chaotic year. We were told to stay in our homes, couldn't go to church. All of these things we began to see, it was foreign to us because we had never experienced 
anything like that in the area of oppression. And what happened is it was done in the name of fear. But this man right here is possibly one of the most evil people to ever exist. And let me tell you, in the year 2020, John Zmirak, he wrote this. A movement led by trained Marxists, the Black Lives Matter, now dominates the headlines. And thugs fighting in its name control several U.S. cities. So we need to understand Marx. Was he an idealist, a lover of the poor, a brilliant economist, a man for others, or something much, much darker? I will go with that one. Was he a Gnostic who just wanted to watch the world burn? If Mark, if Marx was in the grips of dark spirits when he drew up his system, what does that say about his followers today? Of the churchmen who blindly embraced and parrot the slogans of Marxist groups like BLM. In the Communist Manifesto, he called upon the workers, the proletarians, to rise up and overthrow their capitalistic masters. He cried, The proletarians have nothing to lose but their chains. They have a world to win. Working men of all countries, unite. This was the promise and the challenge of communism. In Russia, the Tsar was the government. To support the wealthy aristocracy, millions of peasants toiled in virtual slavery. The Cossacks, dreaded police of the Tsar, enforced tyrannical laws. Here was fertile ground for the ideas of communism. For here, indeed, the people had nothing to lose but their chains. The chains of the imperial government. In 1914, the Tsar sent his troops into the war that swept Europe. For more than two years they fought. While at home, people suffered shortages, brought about the despotism and corruption of the imperial government. The people grew rebellious. Only a strong army could sustain the Tsar in power. But revolution was preached on the battlefield, too, to an army broken with corruption. Inevitably, the Russian army surrendered. And with the defeated army returning under the banners of revolution, the imperial government fell and revolution reigned. The chains were broken, and in violence was born the government of the proletarian. So that is my quick intro to Karl Marx and communism. So he wrote the Communist Manifesto, and it's something that is still admired by crazy leftists today. And here in a minute, we're going to talk about so many different countries that have tried to create a socialist utopia. Uh, it's not possible. We'll talk more in a minute why, but Marx was an evil man. He came from an affluent family. Um, he actually grew up, had money, but he was... He, he, was, he had no ambitions in, in life, and <clears throat> he would do nothing but sit around and, and drink. He, had an, he was an incredible alcoholic, but he was also uh, profusely just obscene, even in life. He, he wouldn't bathe. In fact, his, as they say that his body was covered in boils and things like that, and, and just because he wouldn't even take care of himself. In fact, he was eventually kicked out of the flats um, and, and because he, by his landlords because he was just so disgusting and difficult and a horrible person and human being to be around. However, what's interesting, he also wrote poems and did all these things, and clearly he had a vision of how to destroy and topple governments. Clearly, it was a very, I think, demonically inspired one. A couple of Mark's poems, they got more and more dark. Um, in fact, where I first heard about this, there's a great book you ought to read by Dr. David Jeremiah. It says, where do we go from here? Um, he wrote it a couple of years ago. It's a really good book. I'm in the middle of it right now. And but he first, this is the first time I ever heard this. Um, but he, Mark's uh, poems and plays were incredibly rife uh, with uh, dark spirits when he drew up his system. Um, and so he, one of his one of his system, uh, poems actually, it talks about suicide packs, violence, vengeance, fire, despair, destruction, death. Uh, he waxed a poetic about hellish vapors, um, and about the prince of darkness, uh, selling a book blood dark sword that shall stab unerringly within thy soul and then he says these are quotes of heaven i forfeited i know yet it, I, I know it full well my soul once true to god is chosen for hell um i don't believe he was ever true to god um i think that that's actually part of his his makeup is that he was extremely anti-god and he hated christians he hated christianity 
And if you look at the central tenets of communism, socialism, the very first thing that you have to do is, you, well, the first thing you need to do is you need to break down the nuclear family. Um, and then you have to push religion, especially Christianity, completely out of the spectrum. And so, a couple of th- this, this has happened before. In fact, <clears throat> let's begin with the Russia. We, t- we spoke about Russia. Well, this right here was the last czar of Russia that you can see on the screen there. And that his, his, his name, he was born Nikolai Alexandrovich. Don't you like my Russian? Uh, we know him as Nicholas II. He was born in May of 1868, and he was killed uh, in July of 1918. His wife... You'll see his family here. His wife was Alexandra. She was there. She was really the backbone of the family. If you've ever done any research of the Romanov Empire and dynasty, um, especially Nicholas and even his father, they were very um, weak. They were very weak and stupid and foolish, made lots and lots of mistakes. But Alexandra, she wore the pants in the family, so to speak, and she uh, would end up controlling and manipulating him into some of the things that would end up being their demise. Uh, the little girl on the right, that's actually Anastasia. You might have watched the Disney show or something with her. Um, that's really, it is fiction. Um, more than likely, she was executed with the rest of them. In 2007, uh, the girl on the far left, Marie and, and uh, Alexei, uh, the little boy sitting on the floor, which we're going to talk about in a minute, they were actually, their remains were found and confirmed through DNA. So they have found some of those. Well, Alexei, let's talk about him. The little boy sitting on the floor, he was born with a hereditary disease that came from his mother, and it was uh, basically a blood disease, hemophilia. And it, what hemophilia will do is it will cause you to, uh, to bleed profusely and prevent you from, you know, if you get a cut or something like that, it just won't stop. It'll also make you sickly, uh, very anemic. I know if you're a medical doctor out there, you can say a whole lot more, but I know that it does these things. And so he was very weak, sick, bled a lot. And um, there was already a movement against the Orthodox Russian Church, which is another book that I've read that's really interesting. Um, And there was actually uh, another podcast. I can't remember exactly where I heard it recently, but it talked about this man, a, a, a preacher, a pastor, a priest, in uh, that began to, he, he saw the writing on the wall many years out, and he began to teach people that, listen, you need to have these small groups and begin learning how to form inside of the church because that's where the resistance is going to come from. Take note of that because we're going to talk more about that later. But anyway, the, the Romanov family, so the wife began to look for, you know, ways to heal her son. And so she convinced uh, uh, Nicholas II, Nikolai, to bring in this evil demonic man. This is Grigory Rasputin, and he was into the occult. They called him a mystic healer. He was also, I don't know, get it. The ladies evidently liked him. I, I'm not seeing it, man. I just look. He's one ugly-looking dude. Um, here's another picture with him and all these women around him. You can see, look at this. It's like the guys. You can just almost see the demons in his eyes. Like the, just a demonic-looking guy. Um, but the, um, the, the empress and the czar became infatuated with him. Um, he ended up having tremendous control and authority uh, over the, 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 the Romanovs. Now, he ended up saving the boy's life a few times, but it, it was, he just saw the boy as a way to control the family. Um, and so this gets me thinking, you know, one of the things that I do is I'm always reading Scripture, but I always, I don't know what it is, about at least once a year. This year already, I think like twice this year already, I have been drawn back to First, Second Kings, First, Second Chronicles, I actually went back through First uh, and Second Samuel as well, and if you look at, um, you know, the the so Solomon, this is the one thing that he did. You know, he he prayed for wisdom. So in First uh, Kings eleven, is basically when Solomon falls away, and then his son Rehoboam, okay, is going to be the successor. But if you look in First uh, Kings eleven, Solomon has fallen away, and he's been, you know, I mean, even which is crazy to me. It talks about some of the gods that he would would even go to, but we're talking about Molech, Baal. Molech, if you're not familiar with Molech, I mean, that was, that was you know, uh, worshiping, killing babies. In fact, a whole nother, like this kind of a rabbit trail, but you get a little further into Kings, it talks about how the, the foundation of the children was what Jericho was built upon. Okay, in other words, they killed a baby, they killed their child, okay, to found a city, but that's 
conversation for another day. So my point is, is what what happened in in First Kings, right? So the, the 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 nation is split, and because of God's word to David, He allows um, Rehoboam to keep you know a section of of of, of Judah of Israel, right? So they're of the twelve tribes, He gets to keep. Uh, gets to keep one, and, but what happens? Jer- Jeroboam, okay, he too later just goes and he absolutely loses it, and uh, he too turns it on, uh, on God, and he calls the prophet uh, to come and to speak and, and to speak. Hopefully, he's hoping a positive word, but he led his entire nation into idolatry. So his son is sick, and he calls and he asks uh, you know the prophet, and he's hoping for a, a good word and. And that's not what happened at all. He says, your son's going to die, and the nation followed that. <laughs> Hundreds of years of kings, okay? And, and all you have to do, you can look right back, and you can see that if we serve God, then our nation will be blessed. But you turn away from God, then what happens? Uh, another good book is uh, Return of the Gods by Jonathan Kahn. And in that book, he discusses, you know, when you push God out, then the pagan gods return. And that's exactly what's happened. Look at all of the craziness um, going on in the world because of us turning our backs on God. I saw a statistic the other day that I'm going to get into a little bit more in a minute. But so Generation Z is, uh, I think, right right now, 10-year-olds to 25-year-olds. And how we got into start labeling these groups, people by these different generations, I don't know. Uh, we had a conversation about that in our life group not too long ago, and it's a good point, but it's a group of people who has influenced, I think it's because of the, the, how quickly the world is changing and the things that influence them and the behavior that becomes because of that. However, the, the uh, Generation Zs, when, when they, so I want to talk about, we're going to talk about socialism. So socialism in any form, there's, there's called several different things. Socialism, national socialism, communism, uh, cultural communism, cultural socialism, democratic socialism. But I'm going to just go ahead and tell you this. 100% of them are all rooted in Marxism. It's all the same thing. They lead to the same place. And I believe that the Antichrist kingdom, okay, that, that which the Antichrist will be sitting upon the throne, I believe the Antichrist kingdom is going to be based in communism or socialism, Marxism. Take your, pick your name. They keep trying to rename it. Um, you know, there's some interesting things. If you want to know more about it, go look at what happened to Venezuela, okay? And everybody keeps, oh, well, they, they just messed up. It's just that Venezuela, they just didn't do it right. Well, I want to show you 23 places. that It has never worked. By the way, it has never worked, not one time. But I want to talk about just in the name of socialism in the last 100 years, okay, how many people have died. Now, of all of these, at the top of the list is China, the Maoist Revolution. And there are now. I'm gonna. I'm, there's there's a lot of like gray area here too because when you begin to throw these numbers out, they'll say, "Well, that was only counting though from this year to this year," and we don't know what happened some of these other years. And and I'll tell you some of those. And we're not gonna go through all 23. Um, that would take a while. But just these are the conservative numbers that there were 149 million 469,610 people just out of these 23. 23 examples murdered in the last 100 years in the name of socialism. So take the, let's go back to the Russians. They had, as, as you saw in that video, they had an incredible they had a gap between the, the, the wealthy and the poor. They had a caste system. And in serfs, literally, they had nothing. And so here in the United States, when they began to try to push socialism, they tried to create, if you, you can probably look back and even see where they tried to do this. They tried to create an economic divide, but that didn't work here because when you have a capitalist state, when you have free enterprise and people know that they, if they work hard, they can bring themselves up on their bootstraps, then, by their bootstraps rather, then they can, they, they, so they couldn't create an economic divide. They still try, but it didn't work. What worked in the United States, we'll talk about that here in a minute. Communist China, 73,237. And so, and I'll, I'll go ahead and be honest with you, that's a really no, low number. Numbers I've seen, and I'm giving you the most, the, the most conservative numbers that I could possibly find, but the, the numbers, it, it, everybody almost totally agrees 100 million 
in China alone, and that's the low number. Could be as high as 200 million. And that doesn't include, we're not talking about abortions or anything else. When we talk about abortion, forced abortions. So when we talk about abortion in the middle, in, uh, here in the United States, um, what, 65 million people in the last 50 years? That's so many people. But do you, I, didn't, I heard this number the other day, and it blew my mind. That they estimate that there are have been roughly one billion abortions in the last, I don't know if they said fifty to seventy five years. It might be a hundred, but I, it's regardless. Really, since I know there's been within the last fifty to a hundred years, one billion abortions is what the estimate is. That's that's a mind blowing number, and the depopulists like you know Jane Goodall and James Cameron and uh, Bill Gates and all of them, they ought to be happy about that. We'll talk about them in a minute. So the, the next biggest, when you think communism, you think Russia, right? The USSR. So before it was the USSR, they were the Russian-Soviet Federated Socialist Republic. Uh, and then they became the Union of Soviet Socialist Republics. So we talk about communism. So communism is what Marx labeled his, his manifesto, but it's socialism. It's just it's what it is. So Russia, 58,627,000. That number two, see, the, the, but the, that only counts the years between 1923 and 1987. And they also know that that number is probably estimated low. The Russian Soviet Federated Social Republic, so the, 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 the republic, the, well, you call it, it's not a republic, but the government before the USSR was 3.2 million. Korea, the People's Republic of Korea, 3.1 million. And that number is probably really low. They, they, they kill indiscriminately anymore. I mean, it's, they, 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 they have such, they have concentration camps. I mean, they, they learned a lot from the Nazis. And I'm going to go just through some of the Cambodia, 2.6 million. Democratic Republic of Af Afghanistan, 1.7. Vietnam, 1.6 million. Uh, the Democratic People of, of Republic of Ethiopia, that's 1.3 million. And that was between 1974 and 1991. Yugoslavia, between 1945 and 1992, 1 million in change, about 1.1 million. The Chinese Soviet Republic, which that was pre-Mao, uh, uh, so that was between 1931 and 1934, that was 700,000. I mean, now these numbers, they sound small, right? And they, I mean, we can keep going. But if, when you go through this whole list, um, you haven't heard me say anything about Nazis and German, you know, Hitler, right? Because they don't want they classify them completely different. Here's crazy. Just just Hitler and, and the regime. Okay, let me share this with you. So the Nazi the deaths under the Nazis. I'm going to kind of break them down for you. But we the number we all think of is the six million Jews, and that is a real thing. Okay, absolutely. There were six million Jews, and we're going to talk a little bit more about that here in a second. And I have a, a clip that I want you to listen to. And some people I want you to see in, a, in, a, in basically a documentary that I, I want to highly recommend. But in um, the Nazi Germany, they killed 6 million Jews. Soviet uh, civilians, see, they, this is a number, we never even think about it. But yes, the civilians that they, the, of the Soviets that they killed were around 7 million. Okay. Now, here's what people get really sideways on. They go, well, you know, um, Hitler hated the, the Bolsheviks, you know, and he hated communism. Well, no, they're the same thing. What he hated, he hated the, their, the bloodline. He thought they were impure. And, and so, in fact, if you keep going here, the other people that he imprisoned or killed, um, Soviet prisoners of war, he killed around 3 million of those. Non-Jewish Polish civilians, about 1.8. Serb civilians, so that's on the territory of Croatia, Bosnia, and uh, one of the other Govinas or something like that. Here's the Govina. Uh, anyway, 312,000 there. Okay. And if, I don't know if you've ever researched the Nazis, but they were about the, the purest blood and all this just demonic stuff, right? So people with disabilities, they would kill them up to a quarter million. The number that gets hard to track down, there's a big discrepancy between or the, what they call the Romas or the gypsies. They would call them the gypsies. And that's between a quarter million and half a million. 1,900 Jehovah's Witnesses, um, just what they called... Criminals, you know, a minimum of 70,000. German political opponents, I don't even have a number for that. I mean, they, they, you didn't get in their way, but they killed quite a few there. We don't know the real number. And then homosexuals. 
I mean, if, if you – and that, that number is hard to pin down because they may fall in one of the other groups. Maybe the 70,000 group, we just, we just it's hard to know. So one of the, the show, one of the things I really want to recommend is that you you can it's actually on Netflix right now. Um, you can go out there and it's called The Last Days. It was released around 1998, 1999, and Steven Spielberg was the uh, he was the producer on this. Um, as you know, he's Jewish. He used to do a lot more for the Jews, in my opinion. Um, but what's interesting is uh, what this show talks about it has to do we don't you don't generally think about the hungarian jews but i want you to i'm gonna i'm gonna show some some photos uh, of some of the people on here now the one of the first photos you're gonna see is this white haired woman sitting with a man and here's the crazy thing that that so it looks like they might be married or something they're not at all in fact uh I, that's just one of the images that i could get the man she's sitting next to used to be a prison guard at the uh, camp that she was at. And because he tried to help some of the children, I'm going to explain a little bit what he did and why they kind of eventually, they, he, had, he did have to serve a prison term, but he, they didn't kill him. And I'll tell you why here in a minute. Um, and they were trying to kind of, you know, rectify to some degree. Um, but I can't even imagine that. So when you see that picture of this woman sitting next to the prison guard that used to be at her camp, um, think about that. But I want you to listen to this clip. And uh, it's, it's, it's pretty amazing. How is it that we didn't do something? We didn't run away, we didn't hide. Well, things didn't happen at once. Things happened very slowly. So each time a new law came out or, or a restriction, we said, well, just another thing. It'll blow over. Hitler moved into Hungary on the 19th of March, 1944. I was 16 years old. 1944, March 19th. Germans entered, the SS entered our town. Two motorcycles was the whole Nazi regime that occupied our town. Because they were already there with the people that lived there the whole time and did their dirty work. Most of them were people that we thought were our friends all these years, but they turned overnight on us and when with the other side. And the next uh, restriction was that the Jew cannot walk out on the street without the yellow star. We heard. Isn't that amazing? <clears throat> if you have a chance and an opportunity, I really recommend going and watching it. It's good. It's good. And something that I feel like, and first of all, they deny, there's Holocaust deniers that are, it, it, they get worse and worse and worse. Trust me, it's a very real thing. You can go, there's so much evidence. And people, these are people that, that were there. And since watching that, it's really opened my eyes to how God not only saves his people, protects his people, redeems his people, um, but just the little things in life, like being able to sit in a room by yourself. Uh, it's just it's just the freedom to for me to sit here and drink uh, a tea or to talk about whatever it is that I want to talk about. Now, those things may change moving forward, especially they will during the tribulation. Um, but it's, it's interesting, just it, it will change your perspective. And if it doesn't, Watch it again, because it should. It really should. So I want to talk about our society. Now we're going to get into what's going on now and what are we supposed to be doing. So it's going to be more positive. I am still going to talk about a few negative things first. And, and it's important that we do, because we need to understand, we all see the evil. Have you driving around lately? I mean, everybody's just mad. I mean, they won't let you in. You ought to try leaving downtown you know, between, you know, 5 and 6 o'clock. I mean, especially 5 and 5.30. I mean, gee whiz. And people are just, they've, they've lost their brains. Um, and everybody can feel it. Even if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, people can feel it. And, and we're going to talk about some scripture here in a minute that points to that very thing. You'll feel, you can feel these things rising up. And most people just don't know what to do with it. Um, but we do. We do. We know what we're supposed to do um, with this. So our society what is going on within it? I mean, clearly, COVID created a massive reset. Can you imagine? I, I, sometimes I think about when we were more free. My wife and I, we got married in 2003. And you look at this world. So the documentary right there was only a few years before that. I graduated college. It, so that it was 1999. So that the year I graduated college is when that documentary, I just uh, the last days, came out. <clears throat> and and my, grand, my grandfather, my grandfather, 
You know, he was in World War uh, II. Uh, he was born in 1924. My grandmother was born in 1926. Um, he sat me down. He told me about the war. Um, and, for example, I mean, he was, so he was in the Navy. And I'm actually going to do a documentary piece kind of about our history. Um, and, and part of that has to do with just where I came from, my family came from. Um, and, but it's going to be it's something that I'm going to talk about. But my grand, this is a piece of it. My grandfather, uh, he was in World War II. And as part of that, he was on a ship. He was on a ship basically for 26 months without getting off. I mean, they got off a few times, but I mean, he was stuck on that ship for 26 months. When he came back from the war, the last thing he wanted to do, he was an incredible drafter uh, in high school, but all he wanted to do, he just wanted to be able to be outside, not be bound to something, be bound in an office. But he tells a story um, of when he was involved with going in, the Japanese also had uh, concentration camps. And to reduce the number of soldiers that had were watching over the men, they would castrate the men. And so when my grandfather showed and his ships showed up, those soldiers, those, those Navy men uh, showed up, they, all these men were just sitting <clears throat> on the edge of their cots crying because they thought they were going to die. But now they're looking at the aspect, the, the prospect of living the rest of their life like that. Can you imagine? I mean, that's just the, the atrocities. And th those aren't even the worst of the things that went on. Look at what, you know, we can go talk. I don't really, we don't need to. We, but just there's so much just in Germany and what the Nazis did. So we need to make sure but we're, we're starting to repeat history a little bit. You know, there are, one of the polls I heard recently, though, I think I said this a while ago, was that 18 to 24-year-olds, the Gen Zs, have a 61% of them have a favorable view of socialism. That is scary. We're going to talk about how to fix that in a minute. What about the, you can't, you can't go anywhere. There was a, a, an NHL team, a hockey team recently that would not warm up wearing uh, the homosexual flag and, and, and raps and all that kind of stuff. And so, I mean, everybody's trying to boycott them and blacklist them and, and penalize them and all these things. When did we live in a society? That's like, that's like trying to force somebody. Now, I, I, I believe with all my heart, okay, that there are people that struggle in that area, and but God wants to redeem them. So I'm not sitting here trying to go after that community, but it's more than a community. It is a religion. What, how would people feel if we tried to make them into the Nazis, right? I mean, if, it, if we were a free America, and they were trying to make people right now wear Nazi flag, or the Nazi, the swastika, well, everybody would be in uproar. It's no different. Forcing somebody to wear something against their will. It's like the baker, that has been attacked for the last 10 years and gone to the Supreme Court once, maybe twice, I can't remember, out of Colorado, because they're trying to force him to bake a cake. He'll bake a cake for homosexuals, that's fine. But they're trying to make, force him to bake a cake, you know, for coming out and forcing a cake for transition. Well, he wasn't going to do that. It was against his religious, you know, uh, perspective. And that's, that's what makes this country great. As soon as you force somebody to do something against their will, you are moving towards a totalitarian state. You are moving away from freedom and then towards oppression. So that is, you know, the sexualization of our children in libraries, the drag queen stuff. I mean, the gender issues. Oh, my gosh. When did, think, think of this. If, if a kid came to you and said, hey, I want to cut off my arm today, we would say, oh, well, we got serious, you know, health issue, mental health issues going on right here, right? No, I mean, it's a spiritual issue, but yes, a mental health issue. Well, we're talking about, there was uh, Cindy Lauper and a couple of Democrats the other day, uh, 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 lawmakers, I can't remember exactly who right now, but I know Cindy Lauper was in the mix, and she said <clears throat> that not allowing these children to have these, their bodies, you know, whatever she wanted, but let's say the bodies mutilated, having permanent damage done to their vocal cords, mastectomies, other horrible things done to their body, that not letting them do this we, it was like Hitler. And I thought to myself, wow, what an absolute fool. You grew up in an era where your parents, I mean, they were close to it. You're a boomer. You they were close to World War II. You should know better because jo Joseph Mengele, he was exactly <clears throat> the one who would take these children. In fact, that documentary uh, that I recommended, there's one of the women, <clears throat> she was a child. And the way that soldier, that man, saved uh, her life <clears throat> And it was a different, is a different woman than the one that was sitting next to him. But that guy that was a soldier, or a guard at the prison, <clears throat> they said, hey, "Please help us. How can?" Because they were fixing to get, be gassed. He goes, "Well, 
the only thing he knew about was this Joseph Mengele guy who was doing these experiments because you might live through it. And so he was trying to help them not get killed in a way. I don't know. And so they gave him, um, they gave him some leeway when it came time for his sentencing. But what they would do is they would take these children in and they'll tell stories, but where they would, you know, put these horrible poisons in their body, do experiments on their brain and spine. And, and they would put these drops and try to change the color of their eyes and, and torturing, literally torturing children. And that's exactly what Mingala is. And, and you have people right now in the United States promoting permanently damaging children's bodies where it's 100% irreversible. But the trans community, one thing that you can't talk anywhere, what's ironic. So I tried to do some research and, and, and the Google and, and, and Bing and a lot of, they, they do not want you to find this information. But I was trying to find um, the current statistics on the suicide rates of people post-transition that have actually gone through procedures. And honestly, they, they keep trying. I mean, I found so much propaganda, it was unreal. Finding the real number is difficult, but it's somewhere between 60 and 80% of all people that go through a uh, the, the transition that have that they cannot be reversed, they tr attempt to take their life. That's insane. That is absolutely insane. Nobody is talking about this. We need to be. And that's why I'm talking about the hard things tonight, is that we need to have these conversations. Think of this. CRT, critical race theory. They're teaching this in school. And what's happening? Why, have you noticed the violence in school? Like just children, like there was a kid, little kid, like I can't remember, like an eight-year-old that shot a teacher recently. Um, but it, just inside of the schools, the fights and the, the uprisings and things going on. Well, they're teaching CRT in many of these schools. And if you're not familiar with it, you should go research it. It's demonic. But basically they're saying they're teaching these uh, young black children and brown children, whether they be Hispanic or Asian, or actually, no, the Asians are on the outside. So let's just go, let's just stick with, you know, the blacks and Hispanics for the most part, okay? And they say that, <clears throat> you see that white kid over there? Well, they're your oppressor, and you're the oppressed, and you need to hate them. Well, what do you think is going to happen? And then the white kids, the poor white kids. I mean, you know, I'm not trying to sit here and say, it's just it, these poor kids, period. All of them. You're sitting there brainwashing these poor little black, you know, children and, and, and Latino children. And, and then you have the, I mean, they're all victims. All of them. This is demonic what they're doing, let alone all the sexual things, the gender things, and trying to hide pronouns from parents. All right. So with all of that being said, in Isaiah 520 and 22, you've probably heard this. Sorry, 520 through 21. It says, woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Let me tell you something. It is, it is an abomination in the eyes of God to call that which is evil good and then that which is good evil. So saving a baby, evil, taking a life, good. Let's go ahead and let's look at this, okay? Second Timothy has a lot to say about the, the end times. In 2 Timothy uh, 3, 1 through 5, we're going to sit here for just a minute, but I'm going to go ahead and read it. It says, but know this, that in the last days perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves. There's 19 attributes here, nine, I believe, I think. I think there's 19 attributes here that discuss, you know, what the world will look like when the season of the end times have come. And so it says, for men will be lovers of themselves. Have you seen a more narcissistic society than we have right now? I mean, have you, you can actually go out and find statistics on how many people die every year from taking selfies, okay? It's just, I mean, anyway, lovers of money. People have never been more lovers of money than, than they are now. Boasters, oh yeah, proud, blasphemers. What is a blasphemer? Somebody who speaks arrogantly against God, who's speaking against the truth. This right here is truth, okay? You know, we, when we talk about the, the scriptures, I mean, like, for example, you know, we talk about these kids and, and all the drag queens and this and that, but I, I want to read one little scripture real quick I had pulled open here that I had just ran across the other day. But in Deuteronomy uh, 21, sorry, 22, beginning of verse 5, it says, A woman shall not wear anything that pertains to a man, nor shall a man put on a woman's garment. For all who do so are an abomination to the Lord your God. So I want to be real clear here, okay? People want to throw the Old Testament out. Because Jesus came. The thing that changed between the Old Testament and the New Testament is the covenant. Law versus grace. Now, Jesus gives us grace. 
So, yes, men dressing up in, in fact, the other day, um, Annie, who I had, uh, my middle kid, and she's 11 years old, and we had gone to Best Buy to pick up a little memory card for their Nintendo. And we get to the memory cards at the end of the section, and I've seen this man before, but it's a man who's a transsexual. I, I get confused by it all, but it, in real life, he's a man, but he dresses up like a woman, and he's going bald, and so now he kind of looks like a witch because, you know, he's still trying to do the long hair thing. And I mean, it, but I, we were kind to him. We were very kind to him. Uh, he wanted to try to help us find what we were looking for, and I, we were nothing but kind. And that's what we're supposed to be, is kind. Be the salt and light. He could tell something was different about us. And when you look at me, I mean, look at this. I mean, I definitely look like some kind of crazy redneck that shouldn't be nice to a person like that. That's what they, want. That's what they think. That's what the enemy wants us to think. But we were very kind. Now, it did spark conversation with me and Annie when we got to the car. And, and she was confused. And she, I mean... And so it, 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 what's interesting is that just the, the world they live in, can you imagine? But the difference, so, the, but is it still an abomination to, to God for a man to wear women's clothing? Yeah, it is. The difference is the punishment. Because in the Old Testament, it goes on to say that these people should be stoned, whereas now we are redeemed and saved by grace. It's still a sin. It's still wrong. But how we overcome it and the redemption of it comes through Jesus Christ. And he brings about full redemption, period. And so anyway, that's something that we need to understand as we do this and as we move forward. In uh, 2 Timothy 3.13, it also says, but evil men and imposters will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. It's going to just get worse. It's telling us that though, though, this group of people, okay, in, in the falling away, the things that are going on. Now, the, the real falling away, I believe, in 1 Timothy 4 talks about the apostasy of the church. We, we look at this and we do see a, a great falling away, but also I see a lot of churches growing. When I see so many churches, take the Methodist church and the split going on there and everything else is because they're saying, all right, we're not going to say that the Bible is true anymore. We're going to basically make up our own and we're going to accept certain things as, that are sins as, oh, it's going to be okay. God destroys every bit of that. It can't exist. It can't. And look at them. Those churches are dying on the vine left and right. However, there is revival. Look at Asbury, Kentucky, colleges. In fact, they were down at Texas A&M in the fountains. They were baptizing kids the other day. Okay. There's also a revival going on at the church of Bushland. I mean, I can tell you so many churches in Amarillo who are, are just dwindling because they're not. What you have to understand, this is what people are hungry for. They are hungry for the word of God. They want to hear truth. They see all the junk. They just want to know the answers. How do we get out of this? What do we do right now? We know we're ready for a rapture. Come on with Jesus, right? Well, he's not here yet. And, he's, and, and until he comes back, I'm fixing to tell you what we're supposed to be doing. And that's loving on the people who seem unlovable. Helping those who seem unhelpable. I want to talk about a few things here. And it begins in our home. This is our charge. This is the scripture I want us to finish on and to focus on. And it says this. In 2 Timothy 4, 1 through 5, I charge you, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, and they will heap for them around themselves teachers. And they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. But you will be watch, watchful in all things. Endure afflictions. We're going to endure afflictions. We are enduring afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. Let me tell you something. My core, at the core, I'm an evangelist of the fivefold ministry. In Ephesians 4.11, it talks about the fivefold ministry. I love Jesus. I want to tell people about Jesus. I want to show people Jesus. I'm going to share Jesus. I saw a transsexual guy that did not look like a, a girl at all at Toot and Totem working there the other day. And I was nothing but kind. And, and we, need to, it doesn't, we don't just need to start showing up and say, you know what? Jesus thinks you look stupid. That, but it's about, hey, what, what do we do? We begin with kindness. Develop an opportunity. Pray for an opportunity to be able to sp speak truth and love into these people. And it begins in our home. Think of this. When 
I'm going to go and speak to the men. It's not just the men. I can't tell you how many people I know where just there, there's the sin, all the things that I was talking about. Right up here, let's go back up here to the uh, Timothy 3, 1 through 5. You know, they're going to be blasphemers, disobedient to parents. Oh, my gosh. They're absolutely disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanders, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good. I remember one time, oh, golly, this has been it was well before COVID. Uh, I can't remember the last time I went up to New York City, but it was five, six years ago, seven years ago. I can't remember exactly. And I just remember, you know, I'm from Texas. I say hi to everybody. You know, they look at you like you're insane. But when you walk, get to a door and there's, you know, somebody else, even if it's a man, I generally open the door and say, hey, go ahead. Well, there's a woman, you know, pull the door, hey, go on in. Well, she wasn't about to let some man hold the door open for her. And, and that's sad because I was just trying to be kind. She despised goodness, kindness in that moment. Despisers of good traitors, headstrong. Haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. You know, there's a saying that says, before a drop of pleasure, you'll drink an ocean of sin. And we see that left and right. There's a story I want to tell real quick. There's a pastor that I highly respect. And when he was a pastor, um, he, there was a man in his church that was actually uh, a prominent man. I don't know if he was a leader, but he's definitely a prominent man and had influence inside the church. And anyway, we got a call from the wife one night. The pastor, uh, the pastor I'm talking about, got a call from the wife, and the wife was saying, "He's leaving us. He's leaving us." And he's like, "Well, hold on, I'm coming. I'm coming." So they get over there, and this pastor stands right in front of this man. He says, "What are you doing? You have a beautiful wife, a beautiful family. What are you doing?" And this man just says, "Well, life's too short. There's too much good sex out there. I've got to go for that." And this with this little kid crying. This little kid crying, hanging, Daddy, please don't go. He walked out, and he went and destroyed a family, destroyed his life. Now, the wife and the children, they ended up, you know, but this man, he destroyed his life. He destroyed everything. Destroyed the kids. I mean, can you imagine? I don't know the long-term damage that was done, but I know that they had a phenomenal mama. And so these are the, that was 15 years ago, I think, or so. How much worse is it now? You hear it all the time. It begins with this. Seek God above everything. Above everything. That's our charge. Seek God above everything else. Engage at home with your spouse and your children. Here in Fortune Long, Brandy and I, we're going to do uh, about four podcasts um, on, on parenting, what we do, how we parent. Um, and, and it's important. I mean, engage. Husbands, you know. Leave the clubs, if they're, golf clubs. I mean, don't go playing with your buddies and everything else. Make sure things good are good at home first. Make sure that your wife's needs are met, that your children's needs are met. Teach your children about socialism. I can't tell you how many people I have talked to that say, well, you know, the kids kind of need to learn for themselves. Let me tell you something. If we don't teach them, if we don't explain it to them, the world's going to, and they're going to get a, bunch, a, whole, a whole bunch of hooey from the world. It's our responsibility to, 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 to help cultivate good, you know, understanding of what the world really is from a biblical perspective. They need to understand that socialism is evil in any form, period. Talk to your kids about the politics. My kids, you know, she, so our oldest daughter, McKinley, she's 18 now. She got to go vote this year. Uh, and the first time she was in 2022, she got to vote for the first time. And <clears throat> I didn't have to, I teased her, uh, like, oh, did you vote for that guy? And like, oh, no way. I, I might, she is grounded. She can see the truth. She's like, no, that person is going to destroy the country. But that person right there, though they're not perfect, they at least, you know, have, or at least showing that they believe in the word and the, and the fruit that they've, you know, shown so far is going to hopefully align with our values. And so I thought that was amazing. Talk to your kids. Don't let them, go, you know, all just go out there and figure it out because they'll figure it out wrong. It's just, it is not easy out there. Make sure you know who your kids are hanging out with. This includes church people. Listen, we have phenomenal people in our church. I, I, we have the best church in the world. But if you don't know somebody, our church is growing and everything else too. But if you don't know somebody, don't just, oh, I just go with them. Okay? Make sure that you know where you're sending your kids and who they are with. And, 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 and so just, just know where your kids are. Know who they're hanging out with. Especially if they're meeting these kids in public schools and everything. You, you don't know the family. You don't want, know necessarily um, 
what their values are and their principles are. Don't trust somebody just because they go to the church. Make sure you really investigate and know who they are. But most importantly, listen to Holy Spirit. Listen to God. He will speak to you. Every single person who has a relationship with God can hear his voice. It's true. And you've heard his voice. Let me tell you something. Many times that you, you, you'll believe the lies. In fact, uh, I think it's Bill Johnson. He says that any thought that is not based or, you know, any, any line of thought that is not based in hope, okay, or does not inspire hope is based in a lie. And that's absolutely true. That's the enemy. That's the accuser trying to come and, 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 and spill lies into your life. Instead, seek after God. God speaks in grace, love, mercy, hope. Listen to Holy Spirit. If you have a check in your spirit, like you're going to be going to some event or your kid's going to be going someplace and you pray, Lord, is that, how, are you okay with that? If, if you feel a check, like, I don't know, something doesn't sit right. Well, always err on the side of that caution because that may be the Holy Spirit telling you, wait, stop. Let's think about this for a minute. Listen to God. And the most, on top of that, so you're listening to Holy Spirit, then tell people about Jesus. You're a walking testimony. Nobody can tell you that your testimony is wrong. It's the most powerful tool you have. I'm going to share mine with you sometime soon. If nothing else, let's say maybe you're called to other things, such as maybe even, you know, running for public office. There are so many different ways that you can engage and that you can get involved, okay? But we have, I'm going to go back to that scripture in 2 Timothy 4.1. This is our charge. I charge you. Therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. Listen, you don't have to be a speaker. You don't have to be an orator. Every person that is hearing my voice, you have connections. You have people that will listen to you that will not listen to me. So tell them that you love them. Don't condone the sins in their life. Instead, just love on them. Show them what it looks like to live for Jesus. You can make an impact in this world. Until, what is it? In 1 Thessalonians 4, it talks about the rapture. Harpazo, being caught up in the air. The, we'll get the word rapture from rapturo, the Latin of that. It's coming. It's going to happen. But until it does, tell people about Jesus Christ. Tell them that they have a hope, and he has a hope and a plan and a future for them. Thank you for listening to me. I hope that this has blessed you. And if it has, again, please share with somebody. We're trying to, to, to expand our audience and it's, we're going to try to do this organically. Um, but again, tell somebody about it. Like this uh, if you liked it. Subscribe. And we'll see you on the next one. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast from the Church of Bushland. We hope you will stay connected by following the ministry on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram by using the Church of Bushland. We are all about people because God is all about people. We exist to help people know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference.